welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Today is Wednesday, September the 1st, 2021, and Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama, and today we are joined by an extremely special crew of people that are going to help us think through 40 years of domestic ministry through Lifeline. And here in September of 2021, we officially are marking 40 years of ministry for Lifeline Children's Services. We received our very first license and our Articles of Incorporation were filed with the Secretary of State in September of 1981. And so officially, this ministry is 40 years old. And we are so grateful for the rich history that was birthed by uh, Mr. John Carr when the Lord pricked in his heart uh, just from reading a newspaper article about the start of a crisis pregnancy center, the idea of a discipleship-oriented adoption ministry that would reach young ladies in the midst of their pregnancy by giving them all the life-giving options that were provided to them. We're so grateful for the way that the Lord worked in Mr. Carr's heart, how he drove him, not just to, to be pricked, but to actually put action to the calling and to call up uh, Wells Goble, who was our uh, other founder of Lifeline 40 years ago, and the two of them to start Lifeline's ministry. And today we, we're going to start with 40 years of domestic ministry because that's where this ministry was birthed. And today we are joined by some familiar faces to the Defender podcast or some familiar voices. Uh, first, Lynn Beckett, who has served faithfully in so many different roles through the ministry. Uh, but came on initially uh, as a domestic social worker, helping domestic families. I remember even when I started in 2003, remembering the just the respect I had for Lynn as she would just dutifully go through, uh, help her families, disciple her families, and shepherd her families through this process. And now she's on the other side, uh, discipling families through our parenting coaching program to help them on the other side of adoption, think through how to best raise, rear, and disciple their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We're also joined by Jana Lombardo. And Jana came um, as, a, as a baby to Lifeline Children's Services. Uh, and she came in as a birth mother counselor, served very faithfully at her maternity home uh, in Pell City that was started in 1984. And then through God's providence as she's raised her family, was able to move into intercountry adoption, helped found and start our Ukraine program and then our Eurasia programs. And now she serves as our Senior Director for International Programs. And then we're also joined by the venerable Tracy Newell, uh, who came in, was actually the first person that I hired in my tenure at Lifeline. And so I think I got it right the very first time. She's fantastic. Uh, I know that she hates it when I say this, but she has the passion of Beth Moore and yet the depth of Kay Arthur. Uh, she is a passionate speaker and communicator, and the Lord used her to birth a program that is so deep and fond to so many people, and that's Families Count. And so she started as a birth mother counselor too. I think you're seeing a pattern here because then the fourth person that we are so excited to have is Laura Armstrong. And uh, Laura came in as a birth mother counselor. I loved seeing the way when she came in that she just had a rich, deep love for these women that she cared for, uh, the way that she uh, would just care for them and love on them. And and uh, just, just really, she grew a lot of what we do today through our birth mother ministry by the way that she counseled and discipled these young women. And uh, 
One of my favorite things about Laura Armstrong is she came in as a single woman, but actually met her husband at the Lifeline fundraising dinner. So uh, that's a great story that could actually make up an entirely different podcast. And so today, Laura actually oversees our reunions. And so she's helping young women who've placed in the past, who have now grown up, actually get reunited with those children they adopted some 18 to 20 years ago. And so before we bring in Dr. Rick and this great panel and this great crew, I want to remind you about the Share the Story event. This is our annual fundraising dinner. And typically, we have this has taken place only in Birmingham, Alabama. But this year on October 19th, we have many events throughout all of our states, including Texas and South Carolina and Kansas and other states that you can find on our website. But if you are near or around Birmingham, Alabama, this is our biggest event of the year. The Share the Story is our annual fundraising dinner. It's a great opportunity to hear about what Lifeline is doing to take the gospel to vulnerable children. And there are so many different ways that you can get involved. Yes financially, but also many other different ways. For table reservations or for more information, you can always contact Mandy Kelly, and that's Mandy, M-A-N-D-Y dot Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y at lifelinechild.org, or see our show notes for the web link, as well as the information to get in touch with Mandy Kelly. Well, Dr. Rick, I know we are excited about having uh, these lovely ladies on here, and they they have just such a, a rich tapestry of the history of Lifeline and our domestic ministry, and I'm so excited for us to be able to celebrate what the Lord has done through the last 40 years of domestic ministry. Yeah, Herbie, it, it you know occurred to me when we were talking about putting this podcast together that I was going to be the new kid on the block um, in, you know, in this conversation. And, uh, and I love that the, you know, the, the, the tenure and the amount of investment in what the Lord has done through lifeline through these ladies and just really their friendship. Um, you know, I think today I'm, I'm really excited about delving into the history about learning some things about lifeline that, you know, maybe we, we don't know and, and kind of getting the richness of that story and all the things that God's put together. I mean, for instance, I didn't know today that, you know, even when you gave the, the promo for the share the story dinner that, um, you know, the tip that if you're, you know, if you're out there and looking for a godly spouse, um, come and, you know, grab a ticket for the share the story dinner, we're doing them all over the country now. And, uh, and, you know, and so that's a, that's a strategy that I didn't expect to pick up today, but, but seriously, you know, every one of these ladies have, um, have really honestly had a deep impact on my life. And as I've interacted, um, with them and, and just can't imagine, um, you know, what, um, the, the, the wealth of knowledge and experience and all the things that, um, that they're able to bring to the table on a, on a regular basis and all that God's invested in them. And so I, I just look forward to us having this conversation and learning a little bit about the history and, um, kind of giving us an opportunity to be able to, you know, think about the future as we think about where we've been. Yeah. And I think even as you start there, Dr. Rick, about the dinner, we not only build families through adoption, but apparently we also run a dating service. And so uh, <laughs> yeah, every year at our Share the Story event, and it's just funny that that was our promo today. I always think of Booth and Laura meeting at the Lifeline Share the Story event at Briarwood Presbyterian Church. And now look, they have two children um, and uh, we've built a family. So uh, we're building families in lots of different ways. But Lynn, as, as I think first and foremost, 
you know, uh, you started of all of this crew, you're the most tenured and you started in the eighties and, and you were drawn to this ministry. I'd love to first know, like, how did the Lord draw you into this ministry? Cause I know you were working with children's aid society, um, and had been doing some other things before, but what was kind of the catalytic thing that drew you first to lifeline and the, the ministry and the distinctives that the Lord was doing through lifeline? Well, Herbie, it really all began with prayer. Um, I had been working in public welfare in the state of Georgia um, with um, there. It's called the Department of Family and Children's Services and um, had worked in Virginia as well with DSS before God brought us to Birmingham, Alabama. And in providing foster and adoptive care through public venue, Um, I was not always encouraged or allowed to express my faith in Christ. And I had been praying that I would be able to use my whole self in social welfare work and really did not think that was going to be possible. And so when God brought our family to Birmingham in 1989, um, Being a good Presbyterian, um, God preordained a meeting with our, um, was not our director then, but became our second director, Chuck Johnson, and at a picnic. And and so um, he encouraged me to apply. Um, I was reluctant. I wasn't sure about it, but he contacted me, told me to apply. And the next thing I knew, I had an interview uh, with Mr. Carr. And Wells Goble. And that was um, that was all it took. And coming into the office there at Lifeline, immediately there was a difference in what I had experienced in in other offices. And I remember even the first day as an employee, that precious time in Bible study and prayer. That's one of the distinctives um, that has stayed throughout our 40 years. Um, As we have grown, as we've expanded across states, um, as our workload has grown exponentially, it would be easy for us to let go of that piece. But um, you have, as a leader, Um, have held fast to that initial um, commitment that Mr. Carr set up, that Chuck continued, you've continued, of always going to the Lord first and foremost at the beginning of our day. So that was truly an answer to prayer to see how um, our faith, our reliance on God, our commitment to him, to his principles, his guidelines, could actually influence and impact social welfare work. Amen. And, and I, I love the, the history there of Mr. Carr. And, and, you know, Lynn, you, you and Jana had the opportunity to work with both Mr. Carr and with Chuck and, and, I, and now with me. And so you've, you've really actually experienced all three of our uh, directors. But, but Lynn, what what made Mr. Carr so special? Because I think a lot of people haven't met him, um, but to know him and to see the integrity by which, which he ran the organization, 
what what were some of the characteristics that you remember about him that that really made him so special? Mr. Carr just had an incredible heart for people. He had an incredible ability to see the goodness of people, to really truly view each individual as an image bearer of Christ. Um, And that extended to employees. It extended to the birth mothers, to birth fathers, Mm -hmm. to anyone that came in contact with. To meet Mr. Carr was to feel like you had been seen and you had been heard and really, truly you had been blessed. And so that infusion is what I think informed so much of our work and our policy uh, was that. I, I will say now that I am in my 60s, that when I reflect back, Mr. Carr had retired from the state of Alabama before he ever even began Lifeline. And so it was in retirement that he continued to be a faithful servant of Christ as he initiated this work, this amazing work, as he planted this seed. Um, And I just look at the fruit of what he did um, in that selflessness where he could have been chosen um, to, to do other things in retirement, but he chose to continue to serve and we are all, all better for it. Serve he did. I mean, he's, he served faithfully for 17 years post-retirement until 1998 when uh, he retired a second time uh, from Lifeline and, and, and passed the mantle over to Chuck Johnson. And uh, Jane, I know you came in and Chuck was the assistant director when you came in and Mr. Carr was still serving. But one of the things and one of the, the many stories I love hearing about Mr. Carr is, is how active he was, not just in leadership and shepherding, but also active in caring for women and families. Uh, you know, as a, as a young uh, college student, uh, college graduate coming into uh, an organization like Lifeline, what were some of the things that impressed you you had the social work degree and, go, and, and made you go, this is where I want to invest my time is in a ministry like this. Yeah, Herbie, that, that's a great question. And it even goes back to my college days a little bit where I was doing some of my coursework uh, with the Crisis Pregnancy Center in Auburn. And um, Chuck came and spoke at that uh, training I had at that preg- pregnancy center and kind of planted in the back of my mind. Um, you know, Lifeline might be a great place to work at some point. A year down the road, um, my Baptist campus ministry director said, hey, I got got a call from uh, Lifeline from Chuck Johnson, and they're looking for a social work intern. I'm like, okay, I want to do that because, you know, I'd met Chuck already and I'd heard about it. But, you know, kind of like Lynn said, walking into the office that day, I was young. I was scared. It was my first interview. But Mr. Carr just was so loving and so kind and reminded me of my grandfather. And I was just so fortunate to be able to um, sit under his leadership. Um, I think the thing that just so stands out to me about Mr. Carr um, was his action. You know, anytime a birth mom needed anything, he was the first one to stop whatever he was doing go get in his car, go get somebody some groceries, meet someone at the gas station. And he was just full of action. He wasn't above serving and loving and caring. And um, 
just navigated waters for us where we could have such an environment of learning uh, and serving. And, um, you know, he and his sweet wife did this together. They lived off their savings as they began Lifeline and um, really just meant the world to me being able just to even know him uh, and just having the memories of, of serving alongside him, spending time with him, hearing him pray um, in the mornings um, and, and talk through prayer requests. Uh, such, such a man of God. And, you know, if, if people could just truly grasp just that foundation of where life came from, uh, Lifeline came from, uh, Mr. Carr was just such a, such a unique part of that and such a special part of that. And Jen, I know, I mean, early on when you came on, you started working with these women going through crisis pregnancies. And some of that even bled into you serving at our maternity home in Pell City with these young ladies that, uh, for whatever reason, were unable to stay at home and needed a safe place to be. Uh, what are some of the things that would impress you about the difference in the way that we cared for women? You know, I think a lot of times when people think pro-life ministry or even think adoption, domestic-wise, they really think about this child, saving a child, getting a child into a family. But the the precious thing about even where Lifeline started and Mr. Carr's vision was that these women would be the, the center of our discipleship ministry as well. It would be a child and woman-focused ministry. We would be birth mother-centered. How did you see that flow out in the ministry at Lifeline Village and the birth mother ministries that we've had? You know, working with birth moms and, and women in crisis pregnancy situations, you know, as I reflect and look back on that time of my, of my life here at Lifeline, it's just not lost on me how brave these women were and how um, they gave of themselves. They gave, you know, they, they placed their child, you know, with, with someone else. And, and so I always felt it was such an honor to walk alongside these women. And it was, it was sometimes baffling to me, like they may not have had anyone else, you know, and here I am a stranger um, right out of college, you know, in my twenties and they might've been older, but they just needed someone and they needed to know that they were cared for. They needed to know that they were loved. They needed to know that they were supported. And I believe with all that I am that we did that. And we did that. We did that. Well, we met them where they were. And I think just being the hands and feet of Jesus, you know, and literally met them where they were, wherever we had to drive, we went to, to meet that, that woman who called us and uh, spend time with them, help them make a plan, you know, for, for their, their, their child. And even supporting that when they decided maybe parenting is what I need to do. And knowing that they could call us even after the fact, and, and we would be there to love them and support them and, and give them updates when necessary. And um, I think just showing the, the love, the discipleship pieces that we did, it was so action oriented, like Mr. Carr, you know, taught us just being there for them. And, you know, our maternity home was a place of, of refuge for many women who did not have, literally did not have anywhere to go. Uh, we had some sweet house parents that I can remember and 
Um, you know, this was a, a, a place where they had their room and a bed and it was bright colors and, and light and airy, and they were loved and cared for and cooked for, and they cooked, helped cook meals themselves and sat at a dinner table as a family. And I think that part of who Lifeline was back in those early days um, just speaks volumes and spoke volumes to those women who, who were in that, that scenario. I remember uh, even early on in my tenure, and I, I want to say that actually Tracy might have been the birth mother counselor for this young lady, uh, but we had a young lady at the returning home uh, and she, she ran away one night. And I remember I got called because legally I was their guardian and I had to go out towards the returning home, which was about 45 or 50 minutes from my home. And uh, I had this little cell phone and it started beeping when I was about 10 minutes off and they, they found this young lady and the thing that I'll never forget about this young lady and what she told the, the house parents and the director at the time was she was like, this is not the first time I've run away, but this is the first time someone's come looking for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think that that's, that is a huge part of what has set Lifeline apart is a lot of times these women, they feel victimized, they feel hurt, they feel alone, they feel like running away but we really want to chase these women with the love of Christ because ultimately we know that we serve a God that chases them and chases the lost and chases the broken and chased us, right? We, we all are redeemed because the love of God chased us. And so we want to mirror that for these women. And so certainly Tracy, you know, is I think we've had great stories like that of that young lady at the maternity home. We we've also had some wild stories. And one of my favorites was, the time that we got a, a call from a, a female truck driver who claimed that uh, that she was pregnant and you went on that call and one of our male social workers went with you to to accompany you to make sure that everything was OK. And um, if I recall, uh, it, it was it was it was rather humorous and probably some of the things that happened would be best to, to stay off the podcast uh, but the lady was not pregnant. She was looking for, for money. At least we don't, we don't know. We don't think she was pregnant. Uh, but that was certainly a wild ride with um, a thrown milk carton and, uh, and food and a wild ride to the grocery store. But it shows the heart of Lifeline saying we want to be available and we want to we go even, even when we don't know what we're going to. But, but Tracy, you know, as, as you came in, one of the first things, and you were the first, very first person that I hired. And I remember you were coming in from a ministry called Family Finders, where you were helping find uh, families for foster children. You and Mark had just brought a daughter into your home through foster care, and we're on the process of adopting her. So you came to me and you said, well, my heart is foster care, uh, but Families Finders grant is up. And I said, well, I, wanna, I want you to be a birth mother counselor. Um, and so you, you went outside of your comfort zone to serve what was needed, but full cycle, the Lord was able to help use you in 2009 to bring foster care to Lifeline. Can you talk about just the importance of Lifeline's involvement in foster care and the foster care system and your journey through that in 2009? You know, I want to do that, but first of all, I have to marvel that you remember the story of the truck driving mama. <laughs> Never will forget it. Yeah, that that was probably the most perilous um, situation that I've ever been in at Lifeline. But 
well, there's nothing more to say about that. Um, yeah, so Herbie, the Lord just did this work in our hearts. I don't know another way to explain it. Um, it was so clear that we were supposed to venture outside of just pregnancy counseling and just adoption and respond to the needs in our immediate community through foster care. And I think that you just described it best. What we have observed is the Lord's absolute pursuit of a group of moms and dads who are actually living on the margins, but right here in, in our city, in our state, in our nation. So kind of the, the evolution of that was, I think that you and I just had this, this discussion in your office um, that may have sounded like this. What about, mm -hmm. what about the kids right here in, in our surrounding area? Herbie, what, what are we going to do to help those kiddos? And one thing that I have appreciated about Herbie, everybody, is just his openness to try new things and really just to engage where we see the Lord leading us and already working, working ahead of us. And so you, Herbie, were very open to that discussion. We were discouraged for the first several years, actually following that discussion, because our understanding was that we would have to contract with the state and we just didn't want to do that. Um, and I so appreciate your wisdom and leadership there. Um, we knew that we needed to maintain, maintain that autonomy. So we, we waited um, and prayed. And then in 2009, years following that initial discussion, the Lord again made it clear, here is our window of opportunity. And so we started collaborating and partnering with other agencies locally and churches like the church at Brook Hills, um, just to start that discussion. What if church, we engaged the families living around us in and through foster care? And there was an absolute supernatural response to that question. I mean, we saw an overwhelming response from God's people here in our city. They wanted to be engaged in foster care. And so in 2009, 2010, we started equipping families through foster care preparation through a 10-week class called GPS Then. It's, it's actually called TIPS Today. And we were actually licensing uh, foster families and foster homes here in the Birmingham area. And we started noticing some things in licensing those homes and in placing children. We noticed that the goal of foster care is not adoption. That, that's not the first goal. The first goal of foster care is family reunification. And you guys have heard me say it two dozen times, we celebrate that goal. It just lines up beautifully with the character of our God and that he is a reconciling God. And so we could just easily get behind the goal of reunification and celebrate children going home. What was of great concern to us, however, was that so many times children were going home 
to situations that had not changed. So we wanted safety for children and we wanted change for children and their mamas and daddies. And so the Lord just birthed in our hearts this desire to engage those parents. What might that look like if we actually entered into relationship, not just with the kids in care, but with their, with their mamas and daddies? Uh, and so, so Herbie, several years later, a prayer started. Father, how do you want us to engage? Um, and you remember that initial conversation that actually led to the development of Families Count. Yeah. And as you've told the story, and uh, we were actually, uh, back in that day, we were in two different office buildings, even in Birmingham. And uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I would sit over at the Lorna Square office building. I just happened to be in that office that day. What would later become Dr. Rick's office. And you came in with this look on your face. And I knew, hey, that's a that's a Tracy Newell look that she's got something up her sleeve. Uh, it, it, it was undeniable. And you brought this idea because I knew that was your heart and, and, and you knew it was my heart of, hey, I've got the way that we can minister to, uh, to these families and help them in their reunification process. And I think I threw the monkey wrench in it when I said, because by the way, I introduced her as someone with a passion of Beth Moore and the depth of Kay Arthur, because this woman is a fantastic communicator. She's passionate communicator. Um, and she is, is a great trainer. And I knew that her passion when she brought this idea of, hey, let's do parenting classes for these families that are, that, that are trying to get their kids back out of foster care was that her, she had this vision of, of you know, and, and I don't, I'm not saying it was this grand, but like, you know, concert halls filled up with families and there she is at the front, you know, the, the bigger, the better um, training and, and, and bringing them through this idea. And I looked at Tracy, I said, you know what, Tracy, this is a great idea but you're never going to actually be standing in front of the, the birth parents. And her excitement turned to dashed uh, fear and uh, disappointment. But Tracy, God has flourished that through really using you and using me to sharpen this idea into something that's so grand. Introduce us a little bit more to Families Count. Yeah, so it did happen like that, but I did not have these grandiose ideas of being <laughs> in a concert hall. I sorry, sorry, football stadiums, my bad. <laughs> I actually imagined that we might be able, if the Lord willed, to capture a few dozen parents throughout the year. Um, and yes, my, my desire was to be able to, to teach and interact with them. But your answer, and, and I, I celebrate this now, this was just the foreknowledge of the Lord. And with all my heart, I'm confident this was a conversation led by the Holy Spirit. Your answer was, it cannot be lifeline. It has to be the church. Um. So Families Count is six weeks of biblical parenting education that is so much more than, than just a class. That The class is just the entry point for these parents. Every class includes a meal served 
prepared by the church. It includes transportation as needed for moms and dads who participate, child care for those who have retained physical custody of their kids who are at risk of losing custody. And then finally, mentorship. And Herbie, that was another addition that you made. You, you added, if we're going to have this class, if we're going to create this class for moms and dads, they need to have a mentor from the church to come alongside them. And it really is the mentorship that, that has set families count apart, at least in the eyes of judges and practitioners. Um, and, and what have we seen the Lord do? Well, through his church, we have actually seen mamas and daddies um, engaging with other moms and dads in, in local churches, getting plugged into ongoing discipleship opportunities. Most importantly, we have seen a number of them be reconciled to God the Father through Jesus. So this really is a ministry of reconciliation that starts with the heart of the mom and dad and their reconciliation to the father. And then a secondary part of this is that we have seen some families restored. They, when mamas and daddies are um, presented with the gospel and they, they receive a new heart in Christ, they have the hope of Jesus for themselves and for their families. And so that, that's what Families Count is. And the Lord just, he has just blessed it and, and grown it. Amen. We've really seen it grow. And, you know, Tracy's passion for training, as opposed to training the actual moms and dads, uh, she's had the opportunity now to train hundreds of churches uh, to equip them now to care for those moms and dads. And we've reached thousands of, of families and seen hundreds of kids be reunified in a successful manner back into their homes, which is, is seeing the gospel of restoration and the gospel of reconciliation at play each and every day. Well, Laura Chapman was a young lady that I interviewed. And, uh, and just to go back historically again, I, I remember interviewing her that day, turning around. And I, I think I even told Tracy or someone else, Hey, I found our next birth mother counselor uh, we need to we need to hire her and offer her a job. And it just so happened my wife had actually led a crisis pregnancy center. Uh, she had retired or to to take care of our firstborn. But they had a dinner that night, and she actually met Laura Chapman at this dinner because Laura Chapman was volunteering at that crisis pregnancy center at the time. And she said, "Hey, I met this young lady that I think needs to be the next birth mother counselor at Lifeline." And I said, "Oh, really? Well, I already interviewed her, and it ended up being the same person." And so uh, I remember even before she came to work, and this goes way back in the day when uh, I was actually building the furniture for new people, and uh, I had to build this uh, desk, and they didn't send all the pieces. I don't even know if Laura Chapman Armstrong knows this, but I had to prop up her desk in this corner so that it wouldn't fall and uh, use some... Uh, spit and bail wire just to make sure it didn't fall apart. So it was, it was propped up in this, in this corner. Uh, and like we've already said, several years later at a lifeline dinner, she met her future husband and now has two daughters. And Laura, you were a fantastic, uh, birth mother counselor. Uh, a lot of the things that you developed, uh, in birth mother counseling, we still use today. And then as, as the Lord grew you to, and, and you started a family, you actually started actually going back to what Tracy was talking about and, and oversaw and supervised our foster care program. You're a huge catalyst in helping us get that off the ground. 
Uh, I'd love for you to talk about how the Lord called you, but ultimately also what you get to do now is help these young ladies that have placed in the past uh, to reunify them with their children. And it really is that ongoing part of ministry that Mr. Carr had in 1981, that not only would we minister to a woman during her pregnancy, but we would, we would, we would be there for her for her lifetime, to love on her, to care for her, uh, and to, to, to be a support for her. So talk to us about kind of the calling that brought you here um, as Laura Chapman, and then now as Laura Armstrong, the ministry you're able to do with these women and, and helping them reunify with their children. That's right. Thank you, Herbie. Um, absolutely. So I just owe so much to Lifeline. I mean, where would I be? I wouldn't have met my husband and now my two girls. And just so cool how the Lord orchestrated me coming on board. And it actually did start as I was volunteering at the local pregnancy resource center and someone from Lifeline, an employee, came to speak and just shared the heart and the vision of what Lifeline is and was, and it just moved me. And I called, I feel like the next day, and then the interview process started. And then I started out as a pregnancy counselor. And just like Jana was sharing her story, there's so much similarities there for me, because when I started, I was 25 years old, so young, so green, but so eager um, just to really love on and care for these women that he brought into our path. And I just look back now as a 41-year-old and just over my many years at Lifeline and doing other things professionally. And I just think, man, I'm just so thankful, Herbie, that you took a chance on me. <laughs> and uh, man, I just, I really appreciate that. And I, you know, we'll, we'll never forget that. And just in my working with the birth moms and that role um, forever changed, forever changed by their selfless action, um, by their love. It just, it has moved me in such a way personally in my faith with the Lord. And I have just seen just a depth and a growth with um, my intimacy with the Father because of the opportunity to walk alongside um, these women that uh, would make such a brave choice, whether that be placing for adoption or maybe, you know, parenting themselves. But it was just, yeah, such an honor to be able to get to do that. And now fast forward in my role as overseeing reunions domestically at Lifeline, I have got the opportunity and the joy to see that come full circle for the women in um, overseeing reunions and getting to see birth moms that are able to see the kids that they place for the first time in 18, 20, 30 plus years and the joy of that day and getting to sit back and watch literally a miracle again before my eyes. Cause I feel like the first miracle was them choosing life and choosing to place. And that was such a hard day adoption day as it, you know, placing their infant for adoption, but then to see the joy that comes when they're able to, to reunite with the child that they placed. And, you know, Herbie, a lot of times 
reunions don't happen, um, like the birth mother desires for it to, or the adoptee desires for it to. But I, I so love what Lifeline provides. It's a ministry that doesn't end, and the post placement support that we continue to provide forever <laughs> to the clients in which we work with is something that I'm so proud to be a part of. So, yeah, and I I've had the opportunity. To, to witness some of these reunions and they really are something that is, is beautiful to watch. And, you know, one of the things that I think is so important, Laura, I'd, I'd love for you to touch on is a lot of people think, Oh, well, a kid comes in and says, I want to meet my birth parent. And we just put them together. But there's a lot of, of, of counsel that goes into that on both sides of that. And adoptive parent, the parents, the mom and dad that have been raising this child are so important to how well that process goes. It starts with the way they minister to that mama when they adopted. It goes the way that they grew their child. But, but talk about the importance of just that counsel, that ongoing counsel with that mom and that child before they even get into that room. That's right, Herbie. It's so important and so vital to the the success of reunions and post-placement relationship. And so we do provide, Lifeline provides counseling to the birth mom as well as the adoptee, a minimum of three sessions, counseling sessions before an actual face-to-face meeting would happen at Lifeline. And we facilitate that there, but even more, that's just a minimum. And so there's constant support that's going into, um, you know, setting proper expectations of what that will look like. And so that both adoptee and birth mother feel prepared. And I have people, you know, maybe in the beginning feel a little frustrated, like, why do I have to go through this? Like, I'm just so ready to meet them, to see them face to face, to start the relationship. And then they come back and tell me once they've met and now they're navigating their relationship post reunion, man, I'm so thankful for the counseling sessions that were provided to us. I really do feel prepared going into this. And so I love getting that feedback and hearing that because I do feel like we're providing um, an important service in that regard. It's just not a phone call and things just magically happen. It is, hey, there are steps in this process to get to a reunion day in your relationship build. And so, yes, that's what we provide. And it's vital to all all members, adoptive families alike. I get a lot of calls um, from adoptive parents that, you know, the adoptee has been asking questions over the years. And I get to, you know, help them navigate and see, okay, how to really assess to know, is this the right time to move forward and support them? in that process as well. Amen. Well, Lynn, I want to go back to you just real quick, because I know a big piece of even talking about that reunion is the way that the Lord has so blessed us with great families that have been called to domestic adoption. And, you know, one of the things that, that I remember even watching you very early on is the way that you were training these families, not just to be prepared to be a parents through adoption, but also how they would love, appreciate, and talk about their birth mother. Why, why, why do you think that has set us apart? And, 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 and would you agree that the Lord has just blessed us with families that aren't just looking to fill a need that they have, but are also ministerial looking to love on birth parents? Yes, absolutely. Even as Tracy was talking about um, our foster care program and Families Count, 
um, I was impressed with the fact that from the very beginning, we have been committed to making sure that our children are going into families who are strong believers in Christ and who um, will not just give food, clothing, and shelter to our kids, but will raise them spiritually, um, disciple them in the Lord. And um, this has been a key piece of Lifeline. And everything that we do is, is um, joining with and partnering with the church and making sure that we have couples and being part of that education piece and helping to prepare and equip families has been an incredible privilege to help them be prepared for talking with their children throughout their lifetime about their adoption story, valuing the birth mother and the birth father and the roles and things that they contributed to the child and um, honoring them with letters and cards um, if that's a part of what the birth parent desires through open adoption. So all of that has just been, um, again, undergirding that support that was established from the very beginning of loving well, of loving well, each piece of the adoption triad. Amen. Well, Dr. Rick, I want to bring you in real quick, and then I, I'm going to ask one question of each of these ladies, same question. We'll give them an opportunity to be thinking about that. Uh, and the question is going to be, what is either, what's, what's one of your favorite moments at Lifeline? And it can be funny. And this is domestic moments, right? It can be funny, like Tracy with the, the truck driver, um, or it can be truly impactful. Um, and, and for all of those listening, please do not judge their maturity. These are mature ladies if they choose funny over impactful, because we need a little bit of funny with the impactful. But Dr. Rick, you know, when you came to Lifeline, and like you said, you're the new kids on the block. And for all of us, we think of that, uh, that boy band in the 80s when I say that. But you're, you're the newest member of this team uh, as far as this, uh, this podcast. Uh, talk to us, though, about when you came on board with Lifeline of all of the organizations in this orphan care space that were clamoring for your attention and clamoring for you as the, the self-proclaimed Pope of orphan care, what set Lifeline's domestic ministry, especially apart from other things that you had seen? Yeah, I, I think, you know, first of all, Herbie, thanks. I, I've been hanging tough during this entire interview. Thanks for the setup. Um, you know, I, I, in listening, in listening to this, conversation and, you know, hearing friends talk about, you know, some really meaningful things. I, I think it, the themes that have come out in this conversation are the themes that drew me to being a Raven fan of Lifeline a long time, you know, before I ever got the privilege to join this team. And I think, you know, you've heard a consistent theme today of prayer, um, that, that there is a, there is a dependency upon the Lord that um, that all of these ladies and and really so many more people, you know, that are a part of this ministry, just really evidence and live every day. And um, and and I think there is a um, you know there there's a sense that you know sometimes we can we can position ourselves to do the Lord's work, um, but sometimes we don't do it the Lord's way, and we kind of forget to include the Lord in it at times, like we, we can become kind of matter of fact about it. And I think there is a sensitivity and, and that, that prayerfulness also leads to, 
just a real sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, one observation that I'd make is that nobody that's on this call um, with us and, and talking through this podcast today is doing the same thing that she started out doing. And, and most of you transition multiple times into multiple different roles. And, and that has been the leading of the spirit and the, the, the transitioning of life and God opening doors. And that's kind of the story of Lifeline. Um, and, and then, you know, I think there's the, the third piece to that is, um, you know, faithfulness. And, and, and there's a sense that no matter, no matter what the task is, um, the people are the same, committed to the Lord, committed to the mission, com- committed to the task. And that is a, that's a true reflection in, in the heart of what we believe God's called us to do. Um, you know, Laura said it, like, we're, we're here because we're making lifelong commitments, you know, to families and to, you know, to birth moms and to kids. And, and this is not a, this is not a transactional thing. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a relational thing. And it's ultimately because, you know, we try to see this through the lens of, of discipleship and that's for the whole life as people are, you know, growing to, you know, to be like, and, and, and to follow Jesus. And, and so um, it's fun to have days like this where, you know, where we're reminded of kind of the important things. And I think we can, we can hear all these stories and we can hear the funny ones and the, you know, and the really serious ones and, and the twists and turns along the way and, and, and the ways that God has moved. And man, what confidence that gives us for the future, um, because our confidence isn't based in ourselves. It's not based in what we can do. It's not based in, you know, how how great we are or or how ahead of the curve we are or anything else. I mean, I think what we can what we can point to is from, you know, from very humble beginnings as a ministry across 40 years. The thing that's been really consistent is um, the presence and the direction and you know, in, in, in the, in the providence of the Lord. And, and I'm just thankful because I can, I can look at all the faces that I'm looking at right now and, and know that those are, those are people like we've, you know, we've shared times where we've, you know, prayed together over hard things and we've, and we've worked through, you know, difficult things. And I, and, and the thing is that I know um, like what you've heard today is just a true reflection of a bunch of people that, you know, that I think the world of. And so I'm really glad that we got to do this today. And uh, I'm just thankful for all of you. Thanks for hanging tough, Dr. Rick, as always, you've got the right stuff. So uh, quickly, as we go back through, Lynn, either impactful or funny, what's a quick story uh, domestic wise that that comes to mind? Well, I think um, I may share an impactful story. And um, as Laura was sharing about faith building, I have to confess that um, there were times domestically when we would have children born with very, very severe medical problems, very severe medical needs and disabilities. And me and my lack of faith would think there's no way we will find a family for this child and yet as we prayed God always provided there was always someone faithful who was listening to his voice who responded and showed up um and and we have that hope we know because we've seen that God has care provision and families for every child 
Jana? So I think this one for me is a little bit funny, but it's also impactful because it's one I'll never forget. I worked with a sweet birth mom um, several hours from Birmingham and she had nobody. She was in the hospital by herself and the day you came, she had the baby time for me to go and discharge the baby from the hospital. This sweet mom didn't have anybody to take her home. And so uh, I worked with the social worker at the hospital. I'm like, hang on, I'm going to get her home and then I will be back. Um, which was, you know, always gracious. Social workers were always gracious to work with us at the hospital, but I took this sweet birth mom home. And we got, when we got to her house, she had, did not have keys to get in her house. And so on that day, we had a little bit of a different dress code at Lifeline at the time where we were doing a little bit more of that Sunday dress. And so I had on a dress and my shoes and my hose, and that dates me, of course, but um, I had to go climb in this sweet birth mom's window uh, at her home and in my Sunday dress and go let her in and get her settled. She had nobody. Uh, and get her settled before I went back to the hospital to get her baby and and come home to Lifeline and um, meet my foster mom at the time here to to take care of the sweet little one. And I just, you know, I, I it, it was a little comical as I talk about it. Sometimes I think, oh my goodness, I can't believe what I had on and climbing through this window. But knowing, you know, praying that the Lord really just used me in some way just to touch that that lady. Um, and that's something that kindness or that those hands and feet of Jesus that, that she will never forget. And so, um, that's one of many that stands out to me in my, in my time when in domestic world. Amen. Tracy. Okay. Since you have already heard funny, I'll go a little more serious. Um, when we were preparing for our very first Families Count class in Birmingham at Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church, um, we understood that Alabama regulations for an approved parenting course was no more than 15 parents could participate at a time. Um, and as those referrals poured in, we could not say no. We, we could not cap this class, but I want you to hear me say that there were fervent prayers. Lord, bring the right parents. Lord, go in front of us. Mm. So I cannot remember the number of referrals that we accepted, but there were quite a few. And um, they exceeded 15. And so I nervously showed up at the church that Thursday night, not knowing what to anticipate. And 14 parents showed up. And um, I am not kidding when I say the presence of the Lord in that class was truly, it was truly felt and truly palpable. And as we took a little, little segue here, after talking about the presence of the Lord, as we took a cigarette break, um, <laughs> because that is necessary in our family's count classes. I stood in the parking lot with those mamas and daddies, and I remember them looking at each other and saying, I think there is a reason that we are here, y'all. 
And there was, in fact, a reason that they were there. So just praise the Lord for his amazing presence and foreknowledge. Amen. Amen. Just for those listening, uh, I don't believe that uh, Tracy was participating in the smoke break. So, Laura, how about you? Okay, so I'm going to go funny. Y'all don't judge me. (laughs) I have many funny stories over the 15 years at Lifeline, um, and half of them always involve Tracy Newell. Okay, so just a funny story of Tracy and I co-leading a foster um, care orientation at Gardendale First Baptist. Okay, we wrap that up. It's late. It's probably after nine o'clock. And then Tracy's following me out of the church parking lot. I'm about, here we go. I'm about to get on the interstate and I run out of gas. And there's Tracy Newell coming to my rescue and just helping me out like she always does, Tracy, and getting me where I need to go and getting gas in my car so I can get home. So that is just, that's a funny story that I will always remember. And the friendships formed in those funny moments, um, forever grateful for. Amen. And that actually is a great funny story because it just shows the teamwork of, of really how the way the Lord has brought together a team. And I think you've seen this team uh, and you've heard this team today and the Lord has used each of them Uh, individually, but also corporately to honor him. And we pray that over 40 years, there are many women and many children uh, who now know the love and uh, uh, now experience salvation in Christ and a new life in Christ because of the faithfulness of these women, others like them, and the teamwork that he's bound us together with. And so we thank you for being here today for the Defender Podcast. And we hope you will join us again next week as we look again back at 40 years of life-giving ministry. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast. <music>